Hey, so if you were here yesterday, you heard that today was going to be maybe a little different and a little weirder. Um, we have been going through this series, uh, Can These Bones Live? There it is. Uh, and I was, I was charged to speak this week. This was, this was my spring break from school, and I, uh, I, I did it. I wrote a really great sermon guy. I feel really good about it. And then about Thursday morning, the Lord started putting on my heart that I wasn't going to get to preach the whole thing after he made me do it. Uh, after, after I wrote the whole thing. Uh, I should have known because I was getting like a sense of like, you know, if you needed to make this shorter even, here's like three like key things you could talk about and like really like shorten it. And I'm like, that's great. Why? And I was like, you'll see. Um, so here we are. And so I imagine, so if you were here yesterday, you are probably tired of hearing people speak, <laughs> right? You are. Okay, so I have a whole thing planned to say. I had, I still, I mean, it's still here. I promise I wrote a sermon, guys. This is not me just like, I didn't want to write it. I promise, I promise I wrote it. Um, and it, <laughs> uh, there, there, there's some stuff. <laughs> there, guys, there was gonna be a pickle joke and it was gonna, and, and to quote our speaker from yesterday, that we would have had a lot of fun, and it would have been great, and and that would have been a great talk, and we all would have been changed, and the Lord would have come through that, because um, <laughs> uh, the Lord said not to. Um, so this is, so this is, so I'm gonna. By the way, my name's Ethan. In case you don't know who I am, uh, sometimes they let me play music up here, and sometimes they ask me to speak, and I don't. Uh, <laughs> and so this is. This morning, I'm going to be up here. I'm going to speak really briefly. I'm going to give you, like, the greatest hits of what I put together. And then we're going to worship because I think that's what we're supposed to do today. Um, but but let me be really clear that I have no idea what we're supposed to be doing today. Like, not really, right? Like, I, I've heard all week that the Lord wanted to do a new work in this place. I believe there's a way we're supposed to go. Um, but I don't know. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit up here and I'm going to be vulnerable in front of you guys and say, I don't know. Um, so take a leap of faith with me here this morning. And if nothing happens, that's fine. That's fine. I believe the Lord wants to do something here with us. I believe he wants to show himself to us. Um, but I can't promise that. <laughs> so let's, let's take a leap and see what happens. All right? Yeah, does that sound good? Okay. So can these bones live? That's the question that we have been going through. Um, I'm going to read the scripture that it says there um, from Ezekiel uh, 37. I'm going to start in verse 2, though. Uh, it reads, he led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of men, son of man, excuse me, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So you kind of saw all those slides there that I was going to talk about, um, or that I'm not going to talk about anymore. Uh, we were going to go through the entire book of Ezra and Nehemiah, because it's actually a combined work um, from the same author. And we were going to explain the entire story up to the point of Nehemiah, and we were going to go through it really meticulously, um, and we're just not going to do that anymore. Um, I'm going to start right on the story of Nehemiah then for us. So 
the story of Nehemiah is about a great leader named Nehemiah who heard from the Lord, who allowed himself to feel something for God's people that God himself feels. Um, you guys remember, the, there's a song, I think it's from Hill's song, it's called Hosanna. There's a million songs called Hosanna. You have written a song called Hosanna. Every one of you has, I believe that. Um, but there's a specific line in the bridge um, in that song that says, uh, break my heart for what breaks yours, God, everything I am for your kingdom's cause. I think about that line a lot, and I think it really applies here to what Nehemiah is feeling, that he has allowed himself, he has allowed his heart to be broken for what breaks the Lord's heart. So let me just read here. I'm just going to start reading right at the beginning. If you've got your Bibles, if you've got your tablets or your phones, I'm going to start right on Nehemiah 1.1. 1, 1. I feel confident I have a slide for that. I do. There you go, Ethan. <laughs> All right, this is Nehemiah 1.1. 1, 1. Uh, I'm reading from the NASB translation. I don't know why. Uh, that was the one I went with. It says, Now it happened in the month of Shizlev at the 20th, in the 20th year, while I was in Susa, the capital, that Hanani, one of my brothers, and some men from Judah came, and I asked them about the Jews who had escaped and had survived the captivity and about Jerusalem. And they said to me, The remnant there in the province who survived the captivity are in great distress and disgrace. And the wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. Now when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Verse 5 says, I said, please, Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps the covenant and faithfulness of those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, which I am praying before you now, day and night, on behalf of the sons of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of Israel, which yet we have committed against you. I and my father's house have sinned. I'm trying to make up for the lack of scripture reading from yesterday. It's just, it's just a bunch. It's just a whole. We're just going to read Nehemiah together. No. Um, so... This is not just about a man who aches for his people and aches for his homeland, um, for the destruction of Jerusalem. The, the basic story of this sermon series of, of Can These Bones Live? I think Leah summarized it best last week um, when she said, this is about when God speaks and then God responds and then God does. Right? This is about a faithful God who speaks to his people, who puts things on his people's heart when they ask, can these bones live? And then he gives us a way forward. And he gives these specific people a way forward back into life, back into the bones breathing and tendons moving. And, and we've been going really intentionally through specific stories about that. And again, there's a whole lot here to unpack. Um, but I think it's important to remember that this specific story is about Nehemiah and the Israelites. This is not like a one-to-one -one like, hey, we're going to read Nehemiah and then we're going to do Nehemiah. That, that's not what this is about. Josh and Lee are not our Nehemiah and we're here to build a wall together. That's not what we're doing here. Um, but I do think we can read this story and learn a lot about how God responds when we come to him and say, how can we revive this house of worship? 
because I think that's ultimately here what Jerusalem is representing, not just a, a, the city and a lost people, but a place where God's p- presence can dwell. And they don't have that anymore. And how can we get that back? So I have, I think it's a graphic that's got all of I could have, you know, I could have found something. I chose to draw this and scan it. <laughs> That's better. <laughs> you you could tell it was Nehemiah because of the beard. <laughs> it, that was that was my thought process. Is it a hammer? I don't know. <laughs> All right. See, this is again. This is what I'm talking about. You guys were so good to Aaron, and I and appreciate it. Um, okay. Yeah. Go back to the other one. <laughs> so here. I think this story boils down to God to God breaking our heart, breaking Nehemiah's heart for what breaks his, and then we respond to that call, and then it's a back and forth call and response between Nehemiah and the Israelites and God. So first we have repentance. We heard it, we started to hear it in that prayer that I just read from the beginning of Nehemiah, that when, when God calls us to this, when he begins to actually break our heart for what breaks his, we should immediately be led to repentance. Um, and I know that word has a lot of baggage with it. Um, Aaron McCarter last week at the men's retreat spoke a bit about it. And I feel bad because I didn't take very good notes because <laughs> uh, he said it far better than I'm going to say it right now. Um, but it's it's not just about beating ourselves up. I think I think it's really easy for us to see repentance as us just beating ourselves up for the things we're not doing well. Um, but actually repentance, it's an all encompassing thing where we turn around. It's, it's not about like, oh shoot, I can't do this thing right. It's, it's different than like asking for forgiveness. It's, it's this own separate thing where we can see a, a sinful action that we're doing or a behavior and we just turn around and we say, we're not going to do that anymore. And we're not always going to do it, and we're <laughs> we're going to turn back around sometimes and like, oh, but I like that. And and there's going to be bumps along the way, but the repentance is us always making that decision and consistently making that decision to turn, to turn away from it. Um, it's a turning, but it's also a surrendering. It's a surrendering to knowing that by myself, I cannot stay pointed in this direction, that I am always going to want to go back there. Uh, what's a, what's a good behavior? What do I do that's bad? Uh, what were we talking about last night? Uh, cups. I leave cups everywhere in my house. Um, it's a bad habit of mine. My wife doesn't like it very much. If she would have known, she might not have married me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) never mind. She didn't know. Uh, (laughs) and, and, and I want to be clear. I have never repented for this. And I'm, and I'm not going to stand before you now and repent of it because I don't believe I can. I, d- I don't. It feels wrong. Because, like, when you apologize, you're apologizing, but you're supposed it, it, it comes baked in, to use an Aaron McCarter phrase, it comes baked in with, like, I'm going to try to do better, right? Because if I just apologize, but then I just keep leaving cups everywhere, it means nothing. And so I don't apologize anymore because I know uh, that this is a character flaw. And um, <laughs> there are far more serious things happening than the cup thing, but th- stay with me here for a second. 
when we repent, when we're actually practicing repentance here, it should not look like the sort of self, put the word flagellation in here. That just means beating yourself up. I'm sorry. I go to Duke. It like, it infects your bones and the big words and stuff. <laughs> that was a doctor. Uh, a doctor said that. Uh, I, I just, I, I really want to drive home the point that when we repent, and even here, when Nehemiah is repenting, he's not shaming himself. It's, there's an acknowledgement of it. There's a turning that happens, and then we keep going. And then we keep moving forward um, w- with the idea that we're always going to try to keep going this way, but also with the knowledge that we can't do it by ourselves. Um, again, this is a much better developed thought from Aaron than from me, but the way he talked about it, I think this is really important, is that the thing about repentance is that when we start to pervert it and and we start to feel the shame and we beat ourselves up when we repent of things, those are literally things, like, Jesus died for you to not do that, right? Like, like he took on that shame. He took on the self-flagellation, the beating up. He literally did all that so you wouldn't. And so when we do that, when we don't repent correctly, when we don't acknowledge the power of the cross that keeps us from having to do that, it loses its power in our lives. And so we just have to turn, turn and surrender. You don't have to beat yourself up. Nehemiah is not beating himself up. He's not beating up his past family. He's saying, we have sinned. We have not done what you have asked us to do. And we repent. We're going to try. We're going to try something new now. And that something new is rebuilding the wall. It's... (laughs) Thank you, Josh. Uh, and so what happens next, then, what we see God's response is, stop making me look at my drawing, <laughs> is we see we see God's providence. I'm, I'm not just going to read scripture at you guys. I'm just going to try to summarize some stuff here. God's providence is when he's working in ways that we don't always understand and we can't necessarily see and that don't look super obvious to us. Um, I think the most common way that God's providence shows up uh, specifically in the Old Testament is when is the way that he, I was going to say messes, messes with people's hearts, whether he's hardening them or softening them. That is God's providence. Uh, in this case, in the case of Nehemiah, uh, he goes to his king Artaxerxes, which I'm a history student. I studied ancient Roman history. I knew Artaxerxes, like he was the first person in the story, like I know that guy, uh, and I didn't learn it from the Bible. Anyway, uh, he was a good king. Doesn't matter. Where am I going here? <laughs> Literally. Ugh, ADHD. Okay. The point here is that God's providence works like this, right? Um, and it's a response to that repentance, to where if, if we're choosing to repent and we're going to move in the way of God, and in this specific instance in Nehemiah, the way of God is we're going to rebuild Jerusalem. We're going to rebuild the wall then God will honor that in saying, well, you know, let me soften Artaxerxes' heart for you so that we can make a way forward for that. Uh, and we see that all throughout Scripture. Um, if you think of the line from uh, the book of Esther, um, that she has been set apart just for a time like this. Uh, because so many things happen in that book where you don't hear God's name very much in the book of Esther. Um, I think it's only actually said once. But 
you see his hand in things. You see, you see his hand in the way that lots are cast, which is like dice, like a dice throw. And it comes up a certain way that gives the people of the Book of Esther enough time to come up with a plan to save themselves. And little things like that, right? That's God's providence. That's what it looks like. It's not the super obvious thing. This is a thin place between heaven and earth. It's, it's God in the details. It's God in the margins. Um, that's what God's providence looks like. And that's one of the ways that he responds to us. Um, and that's how he responds to Nehemiah uh, in this book. Uh, secondly, then, so again, so we have God's response of providence. And once again, then we come to a place where we are called to respond again, which is what we do, which is what Nehemiah and his people do. They respond. That if God is going to make a way for us, then we actually have to go, right? Like, if God's going to clear the path, if he's going to make a way for us to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, we have to go and do it then, right? It's, and, and that's what they do. They go and they do the work. Uh, they respond to God's asking. Then this is when I would have shown the illustration. Don't, please don't. Don't do it. We've seen it. We get it. He's not even focused anyway. That's fine. Um, it's, it's not enough to just be called to do things or to have an anointing to do things. We actually have to go do them. Right. Um, uh, for those of you who don't know, my wife is 24, 25 weeks pregnant. 24, 24. Um, we moved down here so that I could go to seminary and do something with it. I don't know. Uh, I always wanted to be a worship pastor. That's always been my dream. Maybe to do something in academia, something like that. Uh, that's the dream for me. Is I love. I just love worship. I love everything about it. And I thought I would do this work and, and go into ministry full-time, and, and we'd figure that out. Uh, but now I'm going to be a full-time dad. I'm going to do all this work, and I'm going to be a full-time dad. And it's not going to pay very well. Uh, uh, it's going to pay about as well as ministry, but it's not going to pay very well. Uh, and that is, you know, God made this way for us to get down here. I believe that. G God has so much of God's providence has led Chris and I uh, down here to North Carolina in the first place. And and so, again, now now this path has opened up where Kristen has this incredible job, and we're so lucky that she can work and provide enough for both of us to live. Uh, but now i got to do the dad thing. And <laughs> uh, there's a my fellow dad is giving me a fist up in the air back there. And I never asked for that. I never wanted to do that. I've never wanted to be a full-time dad. Not once in my life have I ever thought about doing that. Um, I always wanted to be the one that worked. You know, I want I like doing stuff. Uh, I don't sit around the house very well. Uh, I don't. I'm not good at it. <laughs> Every parent in the room is laughing. Did I have a greater point here? I don't know. Um, Let's <laughs> <laughs> the point here is that, uh, again, it happens in the book of Nehemiah, but I think it applies to us too, that when God makes a way for us to move, we have to move in that direction. We have to. We have to respond to him. Even today, right now, this is a response. This, this is a weird way to give this sermon. This is incredibly weird. I don't know what I'm doing right now, um, but I'm I feel like I'm responding to something. Um, again, I may be wrong. That's fine. I'm fine with being wrong. Um, but then, so when we respond then, 
God responds himself with uh, protection for the Israelites and Nehemiah as they're building the wall. Because uh, there are some people who weren't a big fan of it. I will. I'll, I'll read some scripture. Let's read some scripture. Why not? Let's do it a little bit. God, these things are terrible at turning the page. I'm so sorry. Uh, I'm going to start on Nehemiah. This is uh, verse 2. Uh, starting on verse 2, 19 and 20, and then I'm going to skip over to verse 4. It says, but when, I'm going to wait until Josh can find it. I believe in him. Nehemiah, chapter 2, Nehemiah 2, 1920. There it is. Hey, there we go. Wait, that's not it at all. That's funny that I didn't do that to myself. Oh, I cut, I cut off the one. Yeah, there it is. This is the magic, guys. All right. I did that even in my own notes, too. Anyway. Uh, but when Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard about it, they mocked it being the wall builder. Uh, they mocked us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you were doing? Are you rebelling against the king? So I answered them and said to them, the God of heaven will make us successful. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no part, right, or memorial in Jerusalem. Going over now, this is the beginning of uh, chapter 4 here. This is verse 1. Now it came about that when Sambalat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious and very angry, and he mocked the Jews. And he spoke in the presence of his brothers and the wealthy people of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore the temple for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish? I know. Hold on. I'm still here. I don't know what that was. That's fine. Can they finish it in a day? Who knows? Uh, can they revive the stones from the heaps of rubble, even the burned ones? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was near him, and he said, even when they were building, if a fox were to jump on it, it would break their stone wall down. Uh, this story keeps going on, and, and it eventually gets to the point where it, it is no longer just emotional threats. You know, sticks and stones break my bones, but they're like, yeah, we'll still build the wall. Um, it gets to the, th the threat level of, of physical violence and... and uh, there's potential for conflict between the Israelites um, and the people who are already living around the wall after the Israelites left. Uh, but again, this is where we see the providence and the protection of God, that he protects his people and he allows them to build the wall. Um, there's no big obvious flash. There's no God angel coming down with a sword saying, let my people build. There, there's nothing like that. Um, it's, a, it's a light protection that uh, we, we don't necessarily have to see. Uh, this, is, this is the response of Nehemiah, uh, God's response through Nehemiah. This is verse 14 of uh, chapter 4. When I saw their fear, I stood and said to the nobles, this is Nehemiah encouraging his people, I stood and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Now when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, then all of us returned to the wall, each one to his work. And from that day on, half of my servants carried on the work while half of them kept hold of the spears. I mean, there's nothing fancy to it. It's just God taking care of his people when, he asked, when he's asked them to do something. Um, what does that look like for us? I think it, in some ways it kind of looks like, again, the weirdness of this right now that we're all experiencing. Um, I, I've learned in my time as a hospital chaplain that 
uh, vulnerability begets vulnerability. Uh, so me being vulnerable up here with you is going to make you guys feel uncomfortable and hopefully vulnerable. Uh, and maybe that's going to do something in worship later. Um, but what that means here is that when we open ourselves up to what God's asking us to do, there's a vulnerability, and God honors that vulnerability. It's I'm not saying you're not going to get hurt. I'm not saying that weird things won't happen when we open ourselves up uh, to, to what God has for us. But he protects his people. He is a good God, and he is for each and every one of you. And I believe that so strongly. And, and he wants us to be vulnerable with him. He does. He's asking Nehemiah and the Israelites to get vulnerable here. Literally put themselves in harm's way to be able to do this thing with him. Uh, and while may we never face anything so drastic like this, um, but I believe the, the principle applies to us as well. All right, I'm going to wrap it up here. So we see that response from God. And then finally, the last response, if Josh can get me back to my thing that I made of uh, Microsoft Word, my fancy little graphic. <laughs> this is not going to make any sense on the audio recording. They're not going to get it. Um, if you're watching the audio, it's a crude drawing of Nehemiah building the wall and the Jerusalem in the background. Okay. So why are these last two boxes connected? Because when we respond and God protects us and we are allowed to do the work that he's asking us to do, it brings a restoration. Like literally in this story, it brings a restoration of Jerusalem. Like they rebuild it and they come and they read scripture together and they celebrate the festival of booths, which is great, I think. And it sounds great. It's, it's great in the book. Um, but then God's, pr God's presence isn't on the outside of that. God's presence is a response. Um, but he is now with his people. He's with his people in the place that they have built um, for his presence to dwell. What does that mean for us? Right? This is the story of Nehemiah. This is, this is not the story of, of the Vineyard Church of Holly Springs. Um, but I think, again, I think these principles apply to us in, in a lot of different ways. And, and I think there's a story here to be learned um, from the entire book of Nehemiah. I think we all, after Aaron talked yesterday, I think we can all agree that it would be really cool to see a move of God that fuels his people, right? That we all want to be those people that keep our heads on, you know, amidst the storms of life that everybody else is going through. But to do that, um, I just, I, I got a prophetic word yesterday I'm going to get my phone out for it, um, that I think is sort of exactly the point I'm trying to make here um, with, with all this talk about Nehemiah and can these bones live. Uh, Aaron, at the, en at the end of the first session yesterday, was talking about needing all of, you know, this understanding that we're using to be able to show God to the world around us. Um, and I felt really strongly, like I was standing in the back, and I felt the Lord say to me, before my, peop before my people show me to the world, uh, they need to meet me. Um, and so I believe this morning what God wants to do is meet with us. Uh, not in the way that we're used to, not in like a, hey, we're going to sing four songs, and then we're going to go home and have lunch, uh, and beat the Baptists or whatever that we like to do. 
I don't think it's like that today. I think. We're not doing any of it. We're not, we're not doing any of that. That's not the point. Uh, because I think, <laughs> I think the Lord wants to impart something in this place. Early in the week, I, I got a message from the Lord that the talk on Saturday was going to impart something into our space here, that something was going to get deposited, uh, and that this morning was going to be about responding to that. Uh, so I believe, I'm not saying that Aaron came in here and he restored the place and now God's presence dwells here. That's not what I'm saying. Um, I love Aaron. I'm not saying he's not capable of that. Uh, but what I, uh, what I am saying is that uh, when we learn things like that and, and when those, those sorts of spiritual things get deposited in this place, uh, we have an obligation to respond, to respond to what God's doing here. Um, and I think we have an opportunity to, to see like he was talking about. I think he was mentioning this. Um, talking about, it was like a call with vineyard people that, the, uh, a prophetic word that the vineyard uh, moving forward may we be a people that's known for the fruit of the spirit. That that's what people would recognize us by. That we would be a people who keep their heads. Um, and so I don't know what that's going to look like for each one of us here today, but I really strongly believe, guys, that God wants to meet with you here in, in a way that you can understand and, and you will take away from this morning saying I met with God today that I don't know what that means for each one of you I believe he speaks to all of us in different ways in ways that we understand and comprehend but I believe he really wants to do that today um, so I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up